and welcome to the Sompre Health Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we talk with healthcare leaders on the state of the industry, patient engagement, and technology innovation. I'm your host, Rich Preston. Today, we're fortunate to be speaking with Jeff Spafford, who's the CEO of AssistRx. Jeff has had an amazing career in the industry and seems to know everyone. So uh, I think it's going to be a great discussion today. Jeff, welcome to the podcast today. Thank uh, you, Rich. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, no, glad to have you on. And so just to help our listeners get to know you better, can you maybe share a little bit about um, maybe actually even a dream career when you were growing up, what uh, what you what you wanted to do and, and then how you ended up with uh, what you're doing today? Yeah. Well, I can tell you that I never dreamed of being a CEO of a healthcare technology organization. That wasn't not on my top ten list. But it's not uh, quite like uh, astronaut or a fireman, is it? It's, a... it's not quite. Uh, not quite the same, but uh, so um, started my career as a uh, economics major undergrad and was fortunate enough to go work for General Electric and went through their financial management program. Mm-hmm. Had amazing opportunities working in a variety of businesses. Then went back to uh, business school, got my MBA, and of course came out and did the obligatory management consulting stint. As we all uh, did. <laughs> exactly, as much as everybody has to. And then from there, I went to uh, a number of my clients happened to be healthcare organizations. And as, as you know, healthcare is, is, is always undergoing change. And so there's always plentiful opportunities for consultants uh, within healthcare. And just so happened, one of my clients wanted uh, to hire me and uh, off I went and uh, spent uh, a majority of my career growing up in the specialty pharmacy uh, distribution channel. Um, where I was able to, uh, I was number member of a number of the different uh, pharmacies that um, that uh, grew out of the, the space, and then um, have been the CEO of SisterX for the last thirteen years. Oh, it's incredible! Uh, yeah, it's it's amazing to think back too, because specialty has, in many ways, not been around for that long, right? It's almost been in the last 20, 25 years that specialty started and has now become half of the half of the industry. So uh, yeah, I like to say that I was in specialty before specialty was a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, before it was cool. You know, actually a home infusion pharmacy that just happened to be handling this new generation of injectable products that no one really wanted mm-hmm. to handle at that point. And uh, and then of course things took off from there. So it's been an amazing ride to see an industry grow from nothing to what it's become today. It's a classic uh, HBS case study of how businesses and industries form. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, And when you look back over your career, is there a particular accomplishment you're most proud of? Well, you know, one of the the great things about being in healthcare is not only is the business, Hmm. but the product of what what you're delivering is helping patients. And uh, being a specialty pharmacy at the time, you engage directly with patients mm. and you understand the challenges and the frustrations that they're having. And so being able to help them get access to their therapy is something that is just tremendously fulfilling. It's something mm. that uh, has driven myself and quite honestly, the entire management team here at Assister X to do what we do mm. because it's it's you're dealing with people that are in desperate need yep. uh, and they have a variety of needs. Not only do they have healthcare issues, but they have financial issues. They mm-hmm. have social issues. 
And that's really what makes especially pharmacy different than others is that you're dealing with the patient and in its entirety. Mm -hmm. And um, the days that you are helping patients are great days. The days that you can't help patients are really frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I think that's a really special part. And when you get that feedback from the patients and you realize you've made a difference in their lives, it's, uh, it's really touching. So it's very cool. Um, And then when you Looking sort of forward, is there something you'd you want to be remembered for in terms of uh, changing the industry? Is there something you're still hoping to hoping to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. You know, as I mentioned earlier, healthcare is constantly changing, mm. and the the little area that I focus on, which is helping patients get access to to the therapies, is in this transition phase as well. Mm. Um, having been in this industry for so long, I've seen it grow and in many ways, it's become inefficient. It's lack. It's become um, less helpful for patients and for prescribers. And so, one of the things that we are really driven to do here at AssistRx is is creating that next generation patient support model, mm-hmm. one that uses technology to help address some of the barriers to access, one that uses data to help inform our thinking and our decisions so that we can be better at our jobs, so that we can provide services that are more meaningful, more cost-effective for patients um, than than before. You know, the the term reimbursement hub has been coined over the last many years. And in many cases, it was meant to be the quarterback that helped patients shepherd them through this onboarding process Mm -hmm. and along their journey. And that sounds great, but it's evolved into sort of a, a, a big black hole where patient referrals go into and they're stuck there for a long, long time. And so being able to improve upon that and being able to create that next generation model using tech and talent is really what drives us and really is what I have, I want to be able to accomplish before, before I call it a day. Yeah. And it's incredible too, right? I think the, uh, back when you started 13 years ago and the thought of, you know, oh, let's get all of this stuff off paper and into electronic format. Um, and I think we're still on the cusp of, uh, you know, <laughs> I remember Edward always used to say, kill the facts and uh, we still haven't quite done it yet. So, quite. <laughs> yeah. you know, they say that in healthcare, things take 10 times longer than, than they do in other industries. And I think yeah. in many respects, that's true. Um, I am encouraged, having done this now for 13 years, is that I've seen this sort of acceleration of mm. adoption of technology. Yeah. And while we're not killing the facts quite yet, mm. we're now having a lot of sort of aligned support in terms of how do we digitally engage with mm. patients, with prescribers, mm-hmm. with all the different stakeholders that are involved in that patient journey in a more, much more meaningful way. And those discussions have have grown tremendously over the last couple of years and I can I'll expect them to continue that way and so all the hard work that we've done over the last many years I think are starting to come to fruition and, and pay back benefits yeah that's very cool very exciting to think that uh, it's it is starting to accelerate in terms of change so and shifting out to sort of the US healthcare overall what do you think is the key thing that most people don't understand about US healthcare? <laughs> that it's broken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, what? I, I thought that. it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know, obviously, U.S. healthcare—that's a big, 
big, big bucket. Yeah, yeah. A lot. I can, you know, from my little corner where I, I work, you know, directly with life science companies, pharmaceutical manufacturers and helping patients get access. I can tell you that um, I, I don't think most people realize what it takes a to bring a drug to market all mm. the costs and r&d and expense to br- get that drug to market but b what has to occur in order to get that drug in the hands of patients mm-hmm. and that has become you know exponentially more challenging over the last several years as our system becomes more complex as our healthcare insurance becomes much more complex as the financial um, challenges that patients uh, have in terms of getting their drugs so it's it's it used to be you'd go to a doctor, they'd write a prescription, you'd hand it to a pharmacist at the local retail pharmacy, and they would fill the script. Mm. In my world, that doesn't happen. And there's a lot more that goes into it, and it's much more complex than I think most people can appreciate. And I also think that most people don't really appreciate the cost of these drugs mm-hmm. uh, because if they're getting it at their pharmacy, they're just paying a copay. And in many cases, that copay is a is a, a small portion of the overall cost of the drug. And that's changing as, as healthcare benefits change and, and more of the cost burden is borne by that patient. They're becoming much more astute to what the cost of these drugs are. And so um, we focus a lot of our time around price transparency and helping mm-hmm. patients and prescribers make informed decisions to know, A, what their cost is that they have, but what other programs and services are avail- available to them to help alleviate the burden associated with that. And, and so there's a lot going on there. But again, because this is somewhat of a specialized area within the U.S. healthcare system in general, I don't think there's a lot of awareness as to the complexity and the challenges that these patients have to face. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I mean, we're certainly finding it at some point that the, you know, these text messages we get from the patient are very clear that it's the 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 price they pay at the counter, they're out of pocket is what they think is the cost of the drug. They uh, you know, there's very few of them that understand how much happened before it actually got to them. And uh that's not any fault of theirs, but it's uh it is just another window into how uh, how poor the, the transparency and visibility is. So. I, I enjoy seeing your Monday motivationals uh, on LinkedIn, Rich. And, uh, <laughs> I think you're spot on that, you know, patients don't really have an appreciation because, you know, for a lot of these patients, they've just been newly diagnosed with a very serious illness or a very serious chronic disease. Mm-hmm. And they've never had to take medications that have been at the same level of cost. So right. it's a real eye-opening experience for them. So organizations like Sempre are really helpful in that process. Yeah, thank you. Well, let's uh, let's talk into some of the opportunities for, for fixing all of this. So um, what are some of the key trends or developments or regulations you're watching and, and the impact you think that they could have? Um, well, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, I, I feel like we're in this phase of, of transitioning to you using technology to address a lot of these barriers to access. Mm. So historically, when a drug was being commercialized, um, pharmaceutical companies would hire organizations like my own, and we would set up large call centers of people. And mm. those people would manage the inbound fax, so they were getting plenty of faxes, and they would use the telephone to do a lot of what they had to do, which was to validate what that patient's benefits were, what that patient's um, financial portion was going to be if there was a prior authorization addressing that 
And then having to communicate with all the different stakeholders via telephone. Well, no one answers their telephone anymore. So that right. process has just become that much more challenging. And it's it's been much more cumbersome. So one of the trends that I'm seeing, and we're squarely behind, is using technology to manage a lot of these processes so that you don't have to have people chasing paper, but rather people can be on the telephones talking to patients, helping them make better decisions, informing them of what their options are. And and I always say that while we're a technology company, um, we can get you to the 10-yard line, but it's that person that has the information that our technology provides them who's going to have that conversation with a patient. That's the person that's going to be most impactful Mm. in helping that patient get on therapy as well as stay on therapy. And so we're, you know, we spend a lot of our time and resources looking at what technologies are available. How do we leverage those technologies to address our specific use cases? And so a lot of that's happening. And, you know, along with that, as we mentioned, patients are becoming much more consumers of healthcare. And, Mm they're becoming more aware of the costs of of what their healthcare is and they've been their own they're becoming more of their own advocates looking at alternatives and so you see organizations out there like yours and like others that are really helping patients make better decisions about what their healthcare you know options are and so being able to provide simple things like price transparency into what is the act? What is the true cost of these products? And then couple that with, well, what else is out there? How can you be supportive? Those are things that I think we're we're starting to see. And then, of course, the technology-driven um, delivery models that are popping up all over the place. You know, these digital pharmacies that mm-hmm. are, are you know leveraging new technologies like telehealth to be able to get patients access to therapy or even you know large organizations like what Amazon Health is investing in, and you know Mark Cuban and his Cost Plus Drug Company are are working to disrupt the status quo, and that's not easy in healthcare. There's so much inertia mm-hmm. around the status quo that to see organizations, you know, that we all know and, and respect come into this space to be disruptive to create a better model is really gratifying. Now. With that comes their own challenges, and we've seen plenty of organizations come into this space that think that they can fix what's wrong with healthcare and, and be challenged. But again, I, I see the rapid change of pace accelerating, which is is really exciting for what we do. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys have been working on some some interesting new models too, right? To try to look at how you can bring down. Uh, the cost of this patient services and support. Um, so I was thinking of something like Coassist, for example, is maybe an interesting model you want to share a little bit about with uh, with the audience. Yeah, you know, Coassist is really an opportunity for us to leverage the current infrastructure that exists to really facilitate and, and make that onboarding process efficient. So, in in one of the 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 key drivers of what in our business, what we want to do is we want to be able to connect with all the various EHRs that are out there today, mm. because everyone knows that when they walk into the physician office, they're in the, the physicians are in the EHR and they don't want to have to necessarily drop to paper or swivel to another system. And so co-assist as being able to take advantage of that current connectivity that we have so that we're plugging our patient services into virtually every single EHR that's out there. And so that's all the prescriber has to do is simply e-prescribe that medication. It comes into our co-assist environment 
we can then run our e-services mm. against it. So doing things like um, um, advanced benefits verification, we're, we're electronically determined what that coverage, patient's coverage is, coordinating any type of EPA or electronic prior authorization or financial assistance. All of these things that historically have taken people and paper to do, we're now able to do in a matter of seconds with our e-services and then helping that patient make an informed decision. Where are they best serviced? You know, one of the, the, the hypotheses that we hear about or, or, or uh, that we, we think about a lot is that they say that for, for 40% of the medications that are out there today, patients are better off paying cash for mm. or using their healthcare insurance benefits. And so you see organizations like GoodRx really focused on helping manage that, right? And and this co-assist model is a is a different version of that because in the in say the GoodRx model, you're relying on that patient going to the pharmacy counter and presenting a coupon and having that conversation with the pharmacist about well, what's my insurance coverage? Here's a coupon. What mm-hmm. am I better off, right? And so by virtue of our technology solutions. We can do that all electronically so that when we do go to the proactively to the patient, we can inform them that here they are better off using their insurance or here they're better off using cash. And if they're wanting to use cash, we can we can work with them on that. They want to use a pharmacy of choice. We'll triage that prescription to the pharmacy of choice. So really automating that process so that it's more seamless to the prescriber and and really being more proactive in helping the patient. So co-assist is a very exciting for us. There's a number of different use cases we have. Mm. And so a lot of the pharmaceutical companies that we're working with today are leveraging co-assist to really act as their essentially digital front door mm-hmm. and that allows to all their patient support services that they've been offering. And so it's really that funnel point because of the connectivity that it has into each and every EHR out there. It really simplifies that patient onboarding process. And then once it comes in that our front door, we can then make sure that that patient is getting access to the support services that they need most. Oh, that's very cool. And yeah, I'm assuming too, if you're able to suck some clinical and demographic information out of the EHR, then you're not having to fill out one of these service request forms and and you then getting into this issue of having to then go back to everybody and try to get the missing information. So that, and that's hundred percent correct. And that's the wonderful mm-hmm. thing because the challenge in our space historically has been that you you have this one page enrollment form where you need to collect all the information about that patient demographics, mm-hmm. maybe comorbidity, maybe, you know, other medications that they may be on. And it's a really, it's a, it's a real battle to try to collect as much information without alienating the prescriber. And so a lot of time gets spent and you, you sacrifice a lot of information. Mm-hmm. And as you know, Rich, we're in a data intensive business. Mm-hmm. And the more information we know about you, the patient, the better off we can be in helping to support you in your needs. And so by now having connectivity into the HR, not only are we getting that basic demographic information, but we can have access to a whole host of other clinical information that really helps inform our thinking to make sure that we're providing you the right services that meet your needs, not just the needs of everybody. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. It's, uh, 
definitely. Uh, and that then starts to get past that point at which scribbling on a piece of paper and, and faxing it to the specialty pharmacy is superior to actually and, just pre pressing the button and sucking the... And, and maybe then we'll be finally be able to kill the, kill the fax. Yay! <laughs> yeah, that would be very cool. Uh, awesome. Well, that definitely sounds like a, an opportunity that you're you're excited about. Um, are there any other opportunities you see in the in the industry? I know there's been a lot of talk about AI, and I'm kind of curious whether you see a role for AI in the call centers in terms of helping with some of the customer interaction and bringing down the cost of that. I, I certainly do. I think that um, you know, as, as I just mentioned, we're in this data rich business. And the challenge is we're just scratching the surface on how we use data to make decisions. Mm -hmm. and, and part of that, you know, we are challenged, even though we're lots of data out there, we're challenged in terms of how we can use that data and for what purposes we can use that data. Um, but we need to work through that because of the fact that uh, if we don't, then it becomes a very inefficient model where we're offering everybody the same services, whether you're going to be responsive to them or not. And so I always, I always joke that, you know, we need to become much more like Amazon because, mm -hmm. you know, when you shop on Amazon, they know rich press, they know what rich has historically bought. They know, you know, what rich likes and what he's been looking at. So they offer you products that are really of interest to you. Right. And, and while that's obviously being used for a marketing perspective, what I want to know is when, you know, I get a referral from Rich Press, you know, what are his challenges? What have been historically his other, so that mm -hmm. when, I, when I, I'm working with Rich Press, I can help him be, you know, be much, I can, I can improve his chances of getting access to therapy, but I also can help him stay on therapy because I know that he has these other challenges that we're going to address along with that. And that's where I feel like this industry has to go. Mm -hmm. We have all these individual stakeholders working on behalf of the patient to help them be successful and, and, and have that successful outcome. But they're working in a silo. And part of what we want to do here at AssistRx is bring everybody together so they have that common vision of what that patient status is. So they're working together more in a mm -hmm. proactive nature than just working in a silo. And that's part of what has driven the costs up for healthcare today. Mm -hmm. Everyone works in silos. You can see it when you go to the doctor's office. You go to the doctor's office, you fill out the same paperwork, and then you go to a different doctor's office, you fill out the same paperwork, and and mm -hmm. they don't really share information. Mm -hmm. And that has to change. We're truly going to try to change the cost curve. And, and so part of a lot of what we're doing here at Assistarch is investing in creating that data infrastructure to be able to bring together all these disparate data sets to help mm -hmm. inform our thinking as to how we can intervene proactively and help that patient. You know, we're not interested in becoming a data aggregator because I view them as sort of scorekeepers. They're off mm -hmm. to the side. They're, they're keeping score of how that, how everyone's doing, but they're really not impacting the outcome. Mm -hmm. And what I want to do is be using that data so that we're not, we're, we're that, so that we're we're impacting and we're improving upon that, those patient outcomes. And we can measure that. And then we can go back and, and determine, do the actions we take actually move the needle or do we need to take different actions so that we can better improve ourselves? So that's where I think AI and machine learning can really be impactful because we're, we're now working with a number of different data um, partners 
and bringing in huge sums of data to help really create those patient profiles that will help inform our thinking. And, and that's where I think AI and, uh, and machine learning is going to be a game changer in, in what we do. Yeah, very cool. And if you can get that longitudinal view of the patient, each patient, then you can tailor the care for, for each of those patients. And uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And that should improve outcomes. Nice. Well, um, definitely, uh, this has been great. I'm just uh, curious if you've got any advice for, for folks starting out in the industry, what you'd uh, recommend as a path for them? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's a great question. In fact, um, I get asked that question a lot. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the things that I look back upon in my own career mm. is that, and what has been, you know, very, very helpful is that you sort of you get engaged at the ground level and you learn your business at the ground level. And over time you understand you have good experiences and you have bad experiences. I work with companies that have been hugely successful and I worked with companies that have been, you know, big failures. Right. And sometimes you learn more by being on the failure side than you do on the success side. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the time things I see in this industry is that you've got people who come in from the outside, you know, where you're at in Silicon Valley, that's always people coming in saying, you know what, I'm going to fix what's wrong with healthcare. And they're challenged because they don't really understand the, the, the complexity of the healthcare system. And so they may have great technology solutions, mm-hmm. but A, they don't know how to, to talk the talk, if you will, with mm-hmm. the people that are in there today. And, if, and, and because of that, they're not going to get the adoption that they need in order to truly be disruptive. Disrupted. Yeah. One of the areas where I think we were different is, as I mentioned, we spent 20 years in right. specialty. We dealt with patients. We knew what physicians were facing, the frustrations they were having. We knew that needs that life science companies had. And then we went out and created the technology solutions based on that experience and understanding. And that, I think, has truly been a game changer in terms of why mm-hmm. we've been successful when others have failed. And mm-hmm. so my encouragement with someone coming into this is, you know, focus less on the technology, focus more on understanding the mm-hmm. process, the needs, the nuances, the needs of each stakeholder. And once you have a good understanding of that, then you're going to be able to create solutions that are really meaningful, really um, disruptive and, and are going to be successful. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And certainly through that process, you're probably going to encounter problems that you're going to then go out and want to solve. But now you know it's an actual real problem rather than a, you know, a, a solution looking for a problem. So, right. yeah. I mean, wh- one of the reasons I got into healthcare mm. was because, you know, at the time it was a $3 trillion industry, mm-hmm. mainly run by people that did not have a business background mm-hmm. training. And so I knew there had to be opportunities there in this industry. Mm-hmm. And and to your point, you you can't shake a stick without identifying opportunities to improve care, to improve efficiencies, mm-hmm. which ultimately the outcome. And you couple that with the fact that at the end of the day, when you're successful, you're actually helping patients. You're yeah. helping improve their quality of life. Yeah. And that's hugely important and that's hugely fulfilling. So there's not, I don't think there's any other industry like that mm-hmm. where you can be so successful, but yet know at the end of the day you're doing good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, where, if you know, folks want to find and connect with you online, what uh, what would you recommend? <laughs> <laughs> While I'm a CEO of a tech company, I don't really do social media other than LinkedIn. So 
LinkedIn is probably the best way to get a hold yeah, of me. Yeah. Um, I do I do that. And uh and certainly AssistRx as an organization has a social media presence. Um we're on all the main socials. We have our own page, web page, and mm-hmm. and uh I would encourage people to connect to us through them. And uh uh we're always interested in working with people that share our passion about taking care of patients, improving their lives, that have a vision of, you know, solving these problems via tech and talent. So I would encourage people to reach out and uh, love to have a conversation. Awesome. No, well, thank you so much, Jeff. It's been a real pleasure to catch up. And uh, I uh, certainly hope for our audience that uh, thank you so much for tuning in and hope you guys got something out of uh, this episode as well. I know I did. And uh, if um, you did, please don't forget to review Operate Health Podcast uh, on your favorite streaming service. It really helps others to find and enjoy the show. So thank you, everybody. Uh, see you on the next one. Thank you, Rich. Thank you. Thank you.